Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance. My guest today is Tony Martinetti. He's a leadership advisor, coach, best-selling author, podcast host, and speaker. He brings together over 25 years of business and leadership experience and extreme curiosity to elevate leaders and equip them with the tools to navigate through change and unlock their true potential. We're going to talk about his latest book, Campfire Lessons for Leaders, How Uncovering Our Past Can Propel Us Forward. So, Tony, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. So I see your 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 very Italian uh, last name. You told me you're from Boston, so I'm you know I'm envisioning some of the like South Sider you know kind of uh, um, you know accent coming out of you. Is that, uh, is that is that have I been watching too many movies? Too many movies. I I actually grew up in the <laughs> suburbs, so um, so I don't have that <laughs> that real uh, Boston uh, accent. Um, but I'll do my best <laughs> if you'd like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What's the Matt Damon line? Let's go up to Harvard and beat up some smart guys or something like that. That's what I was envisioning. Yeah. I like them apples. All right. So, I like them apples. All right. So right off the bat, I mean, you, you use, I want to get into part of the title. Um, you use the, you know, the concept of being drawn into the campfire. Just help me, uh, mm. help, help us understand a little bit of why that metaphor. Yeah. I mean, campfire is, first of all, been something that for me has meant a lot um, throughout my entire life. I've always been someone who loves being outdoors and, and you know, around campfires, but yeah. let's be honest, there's, you know, campfires have been this place where uh, the most powerful stories get told. And uh, it's been yeah. since the beginning of human history, since we found fire, we've decided to gather around it. And, um, and it's not just for the superficial stories. It's more for the deep, more transformational conversations that happen there. Yeah. When we would go camping, my dad would always tell scary stories. I just remember he'd scare the heck out of us around the campfire. It was kind of fun for that too, but yeah. it was, but it was also a great bonding, right? But a bonding moment too. So yeah. early on in the book, you talk about this idea of creating your own world. Um, in fact, um, mm -hmm. intentionally creating one's world. So, uh, help us understand that idea. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we, we have this, this, um, expectation that, you know, the way things are, the way things, um, you know, the things that we're, the environments are put into are what we have to accept. Reality is that that's not true, right? That we, we have more agency over crafting our, um, our environment and also creating things that mm -hmm. didn't exist before. So I think that's an important way to think about how to navigate your own life and in, and create your own story about what you want to have. Um, so I think one of the things that I, I often connect with, and you'll hear from some of the stories in the book, if you pick it up, there's this idea that like, you know, if something doesn't exist, you know, you may have to kind of go internally and say, well, maybe I'm the one to create it. Yeah. 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 So I think you've mentioned, storytelling a number of times obviously the the campfire you know brings up that uh that idea of storytelling is that you know is is that become an essential leadership skill in your mind yeah i mean i think that we uh and, and sometimes it's people they get it on the surface of this idea of like okay yeah we need to be able to tell stories in order, in order to pitch to investors and such and such and such right but then they lose the idea that like Storytelling has to be ingrained in everything we do. Um, yeah. What's the story we're telling our employees? What are these stories that our employees are telling 
uh, each other? Um, and how are we ensuring that they're all coming from a place of wanting to ensure that we're all connected around uh, what's real? What what is the you know yeah. going to drive us to a better connection? So um, storytelling, when done right, can get people aligned and also motivate people to to move in the right direction. What do you, what do you, I mean, I know we've all experienced this, right? You go and you hear somebody, maybe a speaker at an event, um, and they're trying to communicate an idea or a concept. And, you know, they end always, because it's kind of speaker training, you know, go into some sort of story um, to help illustrate the point. And, and I think a lot of that's just a realization that people learn better that way. I mean, is that, you know, is that really part of the power uh, of storytelling is that you can get a lot more across in a, in a much more authentic way? Yeah, I mean, it is. Um, but I think I want to start with uh, something a little bit more um, internal first, which is that the story helps to solidify for us, the speaker and the person who's, who's sharing the concept and we get it in, inside of us when we realize that the story we're sharing helps us to understand what we're the concept better. And so we're able to connect with the idea on a, on a deeper level and therefore we're able to communicate it more effectively. So it starts with the, the person who's sharing the idea and then um, that helps to, to bridge the, the divide, if you will, between that person who's sharing it and the person who's receiving it, whether or not it's the same message, that is not in our control. But what is in our control is that we feel the message and the message is then being portrayed and connected to somebody else. Yeah. And I, I think there's also a level of trust building that goes on is in there in storytelling. I mean, I know when yeah. I've gone to like a website and you see the first thing you see is a video and it's it's the founder talking yeah. about, you know, what problem they were trying to solve or, you know, why they do what they do. And and there's kind of this immediate trust that to me would goes far beyond like a great marketing message, you know, trying to sell me something. I mean, is that probably an element as well? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm glad you went to trust because I think there's an element of that, which is yeah. so important is to, to trust yeah. that this person's intentions are coming from the right place. And when, uh, you know, I came from yeah. an industry where I was working in biotech for a number of years. And so oftentimes you want to know, like, is this person doing it just for the money or are they doing it because there's yeah. someone standing behind them or a patient that they have in mind that this is like driving them forward and saying like, yeah. I'm doing this for my mother. I'm doing this for my child. Right, right. Um, yeah. and, and that is what at the, at, at the center and not just in their mind, but in their heart is what's driving them to do yeah, what they yeah. do. Yeah. Um, one of the chapters is uh, actually titled Disrupt Your Thinking. So do you have some uh, <laughs> um, examples? I know you you have examples in the book and you've done you in your own podcast. That's where you've gathered some of these examples um, of what disruptive thinking looks like and how we should how we should maybe even approach that idea. It sounds sort of radical to some people, um, but you're, you're not putting it out there as a radical idea as much as a, a practical idea. Yeah. I mean, and oftentimes we think of, you know, disruption as being this, Oh gosh, you know, we have to be like the disruptive child in the background, you know, in the, in, in the, in, in the class, or it has to be this groundbreaking thing, but disruption can be a small act that then changes everything slowly over time. Um, 
So I think we have to think of it that way too, because when I think about uh, personal disruption, it's, you know, looking at things from saying like, I've always been doing X and I've always been seeing these results come through this. What I need to do is, is maybe um, stop what I'm doing and really reframe the whole trajectory of what I'm doing and think about how could I pivot and move in a different direction using what I've already known. Um, it's completely changing the game. I think of Whitney Johnson as the, the person who comes to mind almost immediately because she wrote the book about disrupting yourself. And I think she disrupted her own self by taking herself out of Wall Street and being in, you know, doing investment banking and then deciding to go off and become an author and, you know, a, a person who helps to shape the world of personal development and growth. It's kind of an interesting concept. You know, in marketing circles, a lot of times, you know, a disruption is just looking at your industry and saying, well, everybody's website that is in this industry looks just like this. How could we, you know, how could we zig um, and look different? So, exactly. I, you know, it doesn't have to always, as you said, be so disruptive. It can just be, how can we be different? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, think of your small act of, dis of disruption and use that as just a starting point. Right. Um, because I know a lot of yeah. people get scared about putting up too much yeah. risk into a new move. Well, and there are some disruptions. I mean, an example I like to cite all the time is you know, newspapers uh, got killed by Craigslist because they weren't willing to disrupt their model. So instead of figuring out a way to change it in a way that would, you know, keep them still relevant, I suppose, um, in, in the classified yeah. ads world, you know, they basically just hung on to it and then lost everything. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a perfect example you know, this idea of like, you know, if you're holding on too tightly to a story that you're telling yourself or to a, yeah. a thing that you think is, is, is part of who you are, and maybe it's time to let go of that and, and start to move in a different direction because that other, you know, direction could be what propels you forward. Yeah. So I work with a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, some that are starting, some that have been around business a long time. And I see, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of what stops them from trying something new, from growing, even things they know, they know this is what I should do is that yeah. there's some self-limiting beliefs. And I know you, I know you write about that um, uh, mm -hmm. quite a bit. I mean, what are some ways that people might um, overcome some of the self-imposed limitations that the, that they have that are stopping them? Yeah, I mean, one of the best ways to, to to start that is to really look back and look at some of the ways that they've over yeah. they've done things that are incredible in the past. We sometimes lose sight of the brilliant things we've accomplished. I, I think sometimes of um, this concept called the gap in the game, which is like, you know, if you're always mm -hmm. focusing on what you haven't done yet or where you how much further you have to go, your gap, yep. there's this challenge that you you know you're always feeling less than. You're always feeling like. I can't do that or look how much further I have to go. But if you think about all the things you've accomplished and you think about how you, you overcame that, more than likely the, um, you overcame a limiting belief by taking action. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I think the key thing is to stop and look back and kind of see where have I done things that I didn't know how to do before and um, what did I have to yeah. disbelieve unlearn um to yeah. to then move forward in a in the uncertainty of that 
a, a great other book that you just referenced there, The Gap and the Gain uh, by Dan Sullivan and, and Ben Hardy, yeah. Um, you know, is really goes uh, very deep into that, that specific practice. Um, chapter nine is, or chapter eight, take the courageous leap. Um, yeah. For a lot of people, you know, maybe these things kind of intersect um, uh, each other, but um, what is, I mean, that's really easy to say. That's a really easy one. Like, yeah. you know, leap and the net will appear. You hear all the things like that, right? Um, what's going to, what, what, what practice or what habit is going to get somebody to the point where they say, yeah, I, I can do that. Do they have to have their back against the wall? You know, do they have to like failed so badly that they're like, what if I have to let to lose? I mean, what, what kind of motivates somebody to do that thing that is so scary, uh, or at least scary sounding? Yeah. I mean, one of the starting points I always think about is to, is to really look at the risks first. And, and get informed, yeah. you know, it's getting, you know, the, the framework I use throughout the book is this idea of the three C's, which is curiosity, connection, and compassion. And I think um, if you, if you use those three C's as a way to, um, to look at the landscape before you take the leap, you're trying to understand, well, what, what's, what's the worst that could happen if I take this leap? What are the potential mm -hmm. risks that I'm going to be jumping into? Is this something I can come back to, come back from, sorry. Those are the things you're looking yeah, for. Yeah. And yeah. also know that if you do leap out, um, what what can I do to like make sure that I'm supporting myself along the way? Or if I make a mistake, am I going to beat myself up about it? No. I mean, I got to be okay with making mistakes. You know, I just, just had a conversation about, um, you know, startups and how many failures there are out there. People only think about the ones that make it, but there's billions yeah. upon billions of startups that don't make it. Um, yeah. And well, luckily, we just never, they, yeah. you're right. We never heard do it. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's part of it. So I've always felt whether I call myself a continuous learner, I think I just like it. I'm curious. I I love learning new mm -hmm. things. That's that's actually what you know. I've done this career for 30 years, and a lot has changed. Technology has changed, and I think what's allowed me to stay in the game, frankly, is that I I enjoy learning the new things and teaching the new things. Yeah. But um, you know how. In your mind, how can leaders kind of foster that mindset, not just themselves, but really with all their teams, with their entire company? Because I think it becomes, I think it becomes a culture asset, you know, to have a group of folks that think that way. Yeah, I, I think the, the starting point of, of being in that place of the continuous learning is to really understand, you know, what is it that I've I've come to to believe is true, and where do I want to challenge my understanding? You know, because sometimes the best learning comes from this place of, you know, where is my, where have I become settled and, and, you yeah. know, not really challenging. Maybe those are the areas where I really need to push the envelope or question again. Yeah. And so I think pushing on those elements are important and you can do that best in, in, in a collective nature when you're with other people and you're like, Hey, I've always thought that this is the truth. What do you think? Who has another idea? Who has yeah, another perspective? Yeah. And this comes to um, something that I, I mentioned at the very end of the book. Um, you know, when I originally started this, uh, the concept of my podcast called The Virtual Campfire, which led to the book, I had this idea of bringing together what's called divergent minds and then convergent hearts. Um, different, different thinkers coming together and sharing ideas so that people could challenge themselves to see different perspectives. Not that we all have to yeah. agree, but it's about thinking different. But converging hearts is about like respecting each other and leaving connected 
by yep. this way of like, hey, you know, if we get together, maybe at least we can honor. Yeah, yeah. That was the idea. You need a good facilitator. Good facilitator for that, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. The, the knee-jerk reactions. And, uh, no doubt. And I think that's why it's important. So, you have to have a safe space. You have to make sure that it's a community yep, that yep. is willing to uh, to be okay with that. You can't be, you know, breaking into fistfights and such. All right. So increasingly today, myself included, my entire team is distributed. Our campfire um, metaphor is Slack. Um, you know, does that bring some different uh, dynamics? It certainly brings different dynamics. I, I guess I should say, does that require some different practices uh, to make this work? It does. But I want to I want to also say, it, even though it's always better in person, let's be honest, there's something about being in person with people that brings a new dimension, you know, a dimension. <laughs> um, That's right. But, but sure. I think um, you can do a lot through Slack and you can do a lot through virtual uh, communication, but it's all about how you approach it. And it's all about, um, you know, setting the stage. And so the key thing yeah. is to make sure that you're not just kind of weaving it back into all the other business and saying like, okay, now yeah, that yeah. we've done that, let's, let's all sit around and talk. Um, but you have to create a moment for that. Um, maybe it's about yeah. connecting through a, a special event. You just say, Hey, we're going to have our, let's have a campfire conversation. And that's where we're going to sit down and talk about like, yeah. what's new, what's going on with you. And what are the things that you haven't talked about in a while, but you think would be great to share. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, uh, we have discovered it takes intention, of course. Um, it takes consistency. You know, we have a couple channels that are set up specifically for sharing things outside of work, specifically for, um, you know, we, we pose a question every week that has nothing to do with work and everybody answers and, mm -hmm. you know, things like that, you know, really do kind of allow people to feel like, um, they can, you know, it's, it's not all business all the time for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tony, I want I, I appreciate you stopping by the duct tape marketing podcast. Um, you want to invite people where they might connect with you, learn about your, your work and certainly uh, learn about, uh, how they can pick up like, a copy of campfire lessons for leaders. Fantastic. Well, first of all, I want to thank you. This has been really a great conversation. I love your questions. Um, and the best place for people to find me Thanks. is uh, my website at ipurposepartners.com. That's I with a letter I, not the I. <laughs> um, and yeah. uh, you can find me there. And if you go there, you'll find out all types of great things. I have an assessment. I have all types of um, cool stuff to check out. And then the other place is, my, is uh, LinkedIn. I'm really active there. So you can find me under my name. Tony Martinetti with a, with a one at the end, instead of an I, I got to make things difficult, I guess. Uh, and then <laughs> the last place is Amazon's a great place to, to find my books. Yeah. Uh, you can find my new book, Campfire Lessons, and also my, my previous book, which is called Climbing the Right Mountain. Awesome. Great. Again, appreciate you taking a moment to stop by and hopefully we'll run into you one of these days out there on the road.